This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to, uh, wow, it's, it's already episode 142. And you're going to love this one today. We're going to talk about Donald Trump, the Donald. And I have uh, nobody better than uh, than Mr. Wall Street. I mean, Will Street. <laughs> uh, Will, Will, uh, Will Street, he's one of our, one of our, uh, our advisors here and uh, has a background in law. That's right. And, uh, and I guess that implies politics to a degree, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, you've been on the podcast before a few times. I have, a few times. But this time you're going to get to talk about some interesting stuff. Yeah, current before, stuff. Yeah, current stuff. Yeah, relevant, cutting so, edge. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump. We're going to talk about what happens when, uh, if he's elected, I guess when, we don't know yet, but when, uh, if, when, whatever, he's elected, uh, what is going to happen to the economy? Just want to put some conjecture in there. What happens to money? What are some of the policies he's proposing? And uh, we'll throw a little uh, Hillary Clinton in there, too, just to kind of have some, some contrast. Now, he may lose. It might be Ted Cruz. It might be uh, uh, Bernie Madoff. I mean, Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's good. But, uh, but you know, who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It's kind of left-wing, right-wing thing. And, and, you know, I think one of the things, just to start off, it's like it's not like the president can just wave a wand and stuff yeah. happens, right? Now, I know that they have executive powers and— you know, can put in different different things at the end, but those can be you know repealed or, or taken back. Sure. Uh, but looking at you know the the proper role of of government, uh, really, is it to create laws? I get I guess in a sense, but in the end, really, the proper role is to protect rights. But that we're way past that at this point. Yeah. So looking at you know really how people perceive government, perceive the president, especially, it's like they're the ones that are going to provide me this and give me this and I'm going to get this and this is what's going to happen and they're going to affect the economy and they're going to affect jobs and they're going to affect it's really weird yeah. right that wasn't really the initial intention well and it's kind of like you know when you're in junior high and some kids running for office and he promises you know new uniforms for every single team and you know root beer is going to come out of the soda you know the, <laughs> the water fountains and yeah. stuff like that I mean at the end of the day yeah, there's a lot of talk, but what's what's reality in terms of how much is somebody going to actually be able to accomplish given the restraints, given what they're working within? Yeah, and I think that a lot of it's psychology too. It's right. It's like absolutely. You know, there was this this sentiment that was out there. You know, when, when Obama's second term, and we get to talk to people that are all over the place, right? Politically, right. Uh, all over the place. You know, as far as their nationality and their socioeconomic status, and it's it's always fascinating. But I remember, you know, a number of years ago when Obama was uh, elected for a second term, people were like, "All right, it's over. The world's going to end." And you know, <laughs> we're we're you know, and here we are. You know, he's about to end right. this, and who knows what he's going to try to pull off between now and the time you know, that, uh, that he's done. Uh, but hopefully it won't be like gluing toilet seats down and, uh, and pouring concrete down the drain like Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton did when he was impeached. But it's another story. I don't think, <laughs> right. he'll, I don't think he'll go to those extents, yeah. <laughs> but, but who knows? And here, we're not trying to be political here. We're just, you know, we're just talk, trying to talk as, as open as possible as far as what we, what we perceive is going to happen and, and what you can do to protect yourself or capitalize on the, uh, on the actual event. So, so it's interesting when uh, so I, we were on the the real estate guys investor summit at sea a uh, few few weeks ago, and and Robert Kiyosaki was uh, was on was on there for uh, almost the entire time. He got off in in like two days before the cruise was going to end because he had to speak at another conference. But uh, it was fascinating being around him and hearing him you know talk and it was great great content. 
But he did really talk about you know Donald Trump because he has a good relationship with Donald Trump. Right. Uh, they've written uh, a book together. Uh, they always quote each other in, in other books that they've uh, that they've written with each other, or not written with each other, but written independently. And uh, and so he knows him. He knows him pretty well. And and uh, Kiyosaki was like, I don't I don't know what he's thinking, <laughs> right? Because running for president, it's kind of like. You know, the, the Titanic, it's heading for the iceberg, and it's like you see the iceberg. It's there. It's the guys, you know, ringing the bell, and there, there it is. Right. And, yeah, they're going to try to take as much corrective action as they can, but it's hitting the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and so inevitable. It, it is, and that's what he said. He's, he, he brought up, you know, and, and again, does Kiyosaki know everything? He's the first one to profess that he doesn't, right? And that's why he always try, tries to take, you know, a, a very uh, a stance that rises above uh, all the stances that exist, right? So he, one of the things he always talks about, which we've you know mentioned on the podcast quite often, is there's always multiple perspectives, right? You have sure. one side of the coin and then the other side of the coin. Most people think that there are two sides and that's it, but there's not. There's a third, and it's the edge. Right. So if you understand both sides, you can now sit or stand on the edge and really come to your own conclusion. So he's the first to say that he doesn't know all perspectives. Right. But he brought up some very valid points, which is, you know, you look at the stock market and what it's done over the last, you know, 100-ish years. And, uh, and there's a graph, we'll probably post this on the show notes, but there's a graph that talks about, you know, the Dow Jones from 1900 to, uh, to 2014. And, you know, you, you look at uh, the Great Depression, like where, where in this graph is the Great Depression, right? You can hardly, you can hardly see, see, it. see it. You can hardly yeah. see it. It's a little blip. But looking at where we're at, where we're at right now and how big the economies have, have come, you know, I do agree, you know, looking at industry, looking at commerce, looking at, you know, the international side of things when it comes to the world and people able to invest in the markets. I mean, there's some of that there, but really, where has this expansion uh, come from, right? And it's a lot of it's it's debt driven. Sure. So you look at, you know, the deficit that we're in. I mean, Donald Trump is inherit will if he becomes president, inherits almost a 20 trillion dollar deficit. Amazing. Right? And that's just that that's the principle, right? And you right. look at, you know, how do you pay that thing off where Tax revenue is three trillion, and the tax revenue is corporate taxes. It's it's personal income taxes. It's FICA. FICA shouldn't even be on that as far as income is concerned. Because sure. what is FICA supposed to pay for? FICA is supposed to pay for you know social security, and it's, but yet they count it as part of their revenue. Right. But they can hardly afford the interest on the debt, let alone pay anything towards, towards the principal. Right. Wow, so that amazing. then you have you know unemployment. Which is, you know, the the official numbers, you know, are around five five percent, but you know the unofficial, which is people that have stopped looking and people that are just working part time and they're being counted as full time, right? There there's some skewed numbers there. So it's like so Kiyosaki was basically saying he's inheriting inheriting uh, the the Titanic after the iceberg has been spotted. has been spotted. It's kind of like the <laughs> right. captain, you know, on the on the you know on the on the what's the, the what's bridge the, on the bridge, yeah, right, and he's like. And he sees the iceberg. People are freaking out. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to be out. captain anymore. You should be captain because you're going to help us more than me or something like that. Right, you know? yeah. It's like it, it, the other captain would be like, uh, no, you have no to stay thanks. with the ship and sink with it. I'm getting on the freaking lifeboat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he did bring up that point. But regardless, you know, I, you look at, you know, some of the research that we did and we, you know, went and looked at some of uh, Donald Trump's tax policies. Let's, let's maybe talk through those, sure. right, and talk through some of the things that you've seen and, 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 and read about. I read a bunch, too, and, and what, that, you know, what that really means and kind of pick apart, you know, pick apart some, of those, some of those details. So as you right. kind of went through, what are, what are some of the main things that stood out to that you? jumped out. Well, I mean, I would say just as a matter of kind of a, a, a general tone, 
a general focus in his tax plan. And, and you kind of get this, you know, when you hear him speak. Of course, he, his slogan is is making America great again. You yeah. know, it's this idea that um, that we've lost jobs uh, overseas, that American businesses are you know going elsewhere, and so it's it's this idea that in order to make America great again, that starts with um, with bringing jobs back, creating mm-hmm. jobs, um, making just overall the economy much stronger than it currently is. And so you when you kind of delve into some of the points that he makes in terms of his tax policy, you can see that that's sort of the objective. Yeah. Um, I got chi- to chime in. Go ahead. Because it's, it's interesting because you, you listen to him. And he, if you were to look at, you know, any successful successful business person that has gotten to where they've got, they, they know what they're talking about. Right. They know how to interact with people. And so oftentimes, most people that do not really understand kind of the, the billionaire status, understand the success in business and building you know, huge developments and projects, they don't understand the importance of, of influence, right? right, and having good relationships. And you look at the undertone of what he does, and it's all intentional. Right. right? That slogan he uses over and over and over. He doesn't do it because he doesn't have any other words. Right. He does it because repetition builds into the subconscious. Exactly. It's and calculated. He, it is. And, yeah. he, and the words that he uses, the things that he says, incredibly positioned. And it's it's very strategic. But when he says things like making America great again and how he talks up this person and that person and even how he he's he presents himself in the debates, it's all intentional. Oh, And he absolutely. looks, he knows how to control a room. He knows how to control an audience. And if you know kind of that background, yeah. you can you can see right through him. It's very it's really powerful. It's interesting. And so that's where, you know, I, I you look at, you know, some of the things we're going to go through in his, you know, his proposed tax policies and, you know, what he right. would do and so forth. It's he he really understands, you know, economics to a degree. Right. Uh, he understands uh, business to a degree. Now, there may be some of like the free market Austrian economists that are like, no, he doesn't understand economics. And I would I would argue with that and I would say, listen. You can you can have economics that start from scratch as if there's zero there's no country right there's no laws and you incorporate a, a free market economic system and that's where those principles will shine and thrive almost you know it, it's almost a given you can right. put all the chips blank right canvas blank canvas You're starting you from put scratch. all you know, if, yep. if you did free market economics and every it would it would totally totally work but you go into a system where we haven't had a free market in a right. long time. <laughs> We haven't had a free banking system. We haven't. We've had so much different influence and intervention from third third party. You know, whether it's the Federal Reserve, whether it's taxes, or whether it's you know this building project, whether it's government jobs and government. There's so many things that influence markets these days. You can't come in and just say, okay, free market. It's kind of like you know you have a, a a drug addict, and you come in and say, okay, you've been on heroin forever. You know, let's give you cocaine. Yeah. Right. It's not gonna. It's it. It has to be like a phase off. Right. Right. So wean, that you, you wean, wean you yep. wean off. And I knew you know as a guy. This is a number of years ago, but I remember you know this this guy and he was um and it was a, a, a personal not personal but close you know family family friend and he lost his wife and just totally became an alcoholic and he drank uh it was uh, uh pepsi and and jim bean i mean it, like <laughs> right. every day for years and he suddenly decided you know i'm i'm going to stop drinking but he didn't like stop drinking he yeah. went to beer right and right. he started drinking beer and that took him a year and he weaned off of it so it's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing yeah. so when donald trump comes in 
you know, and really he's adding these policies. I mean, let, let's kind of talk through it because you and I have not really kind of gone yeah. and had a, a dialogue about this. But let's talk about maybe, you know, some of his, his tax policy first and what which really is the driver of of how uh, uh, economy works. Right. Yeah. Especially our economy, because it's like if there's a tax incentive. People take advantage of it, yeah. Regardless of what it is, exactly. Right, like a four hundred one k or an IRA, you get a tax benefit, a short term one. Yeah. People are like, I, I don't want to pay taxes, so I'm going to put my money wherever I don't have to pay taxes, right. and it channels money to different sectors of the economy. Right. That channels money to you know, to a retirement account, which I guess is like it goes to Wall Street, but it also limits the the government doesn't have to necessarily you know pay for people's retirement down the road, right? Yeah. Which you know they may may so they give them an incentive to to put money into those vehicles. Yeah. Right. I think it's, also, it's oh sorry I didn't mean to jump in, but it's I think it's it's Tom Wheelwright, right, who who talks a little bit about um how really the tax code is just a blueprint for behavior. Yep. It's incentivizing certain behavior yep. so that the government doesn't have to be the one that, that, exactly. that does it. Charitable donations, yeah. it channels money to charity, right? Low-income housing, ch- yeah. channels money to low-income housing. Mortgage deduction, we're encouraging people Courage to home ownership. as opposed to renting. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all of that, right? So yeah. when he so let's let's kind of go through some of these, you know, some of these tax proposals that he okay. has and let's kind of, you know, maybe have a dialogue about what impact they would have. Sure. Well, you know, and of course we're pulling these off of uh, off of his website, donaldjtrump.com if if you're curious to check those out, but he he kind of summarizes them nicely. He he breaks it down into four four points, and the first one is tax relief for the for middle class Americans. And kind of like you were saying a minute ago about really everything being calculated, I think that is a calculated move to list that one first. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're trying to appeal to the largest segment of the population, which is the middle class, and um, and and all of that. And so um, you know, he simplifies it by saying, in order to achieve the American dream. The idea is to let people keep more of, of their uh, of their earnings mm-hmm. and to increase their after tax wages. And I think one of the ways that he proposes to do that, which is kind of point number two, is to simplify the tax code. Mm-hmm. Instead of having seven separate um, tax rates, he wants to simplify that down to four. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he. Uh, let's see. He lists these down. Well, didn't um, he say one? Didn't he say on like the the lower side of just it's a one page return, yes, exactly. Right? Which the tax return when it was created in 1913 was one page. It right. was just one page. It was easy. It was, it was simple. Now you have like you know IRS agents up the wazoo, right? right to be able to you know just Decipher mull the stuff, through the right? insanity of all the different tax statutes and so forth. Yeah. So so the lowest rate would, of course, be zero percent. Right. Mm-hmm. If it, basically the idea is that if you're if you're single and you make less than twenty five grand a year or if you're married and you make less than 50, you pay nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those single page. Hey, I I earned less than this threshold. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I pay nothing. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do to, to file your, your taxes. Got it. The next rate is 10 percent. That's 25 to 50 for individuals, 50 to 100 for married uh, people. Then 20 percent next. Uh, and 25%. So top the, tax bracket is yeah, 20, 25. Yeah, top tax bracket is 25. Yep. Just and right now it's 30, you know, almost 40. Yeah. Right. So that's so that's helpful. Yeah. So, but most people were like, okay, well, if you lower the tax rates, then you're going to have less tax revenue. Right. Is that is that true? Well, and and I think his philosophy would be yes, we're lowering the tax burden of the individual, but by giving people the ability to have more money in their pockets, they're going to spend more. Mm-hmm. Businesses are going to create more jobs. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a greater population base to tax, mm-hmm. right? So each individual pays less, but because more are paying into the system, yep. the net revenue that comes from taxation is actually greater. Yeah. So I look at, so this, and this is other, again, it's it, most people, it's hard for them to kind of chew on that, right? Yeah. But if you go back to like, 
you know, the when the last massive tax reform happened, it was like I think it was nineteen eighty six or nineteen eighty eight. I mean, right, right around mm-hmm. right during during Reagan Reagan times, and and so you look at you know what they did then. They actually dropped a lot of the tax brackets, but they yeah. got rid of a lot of the itemization and write offs, and the revenue actually went up. There mm-hmm. was more the taxes actually increased by decreasing the brackets. Because you look at this, and it's like and even right now, just because the top rate, you know, top tax bracket is thirty nine point six, the federal rate, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that there aren't any deductions, right? There, right. why do corporations only pay, you know, X amount or, or have a negative, right? It's it's really because they take advantage of the tax code and they put money here and here and here and here, which the government now allows them to, you know, either get a credit or reduce from their tax, you know, taxable income. So the idea behind lowering uh, brackets doesn't mean that their their tax revenue is going to go down. Right. So, but the idea is number one is going to put more money in the pockets of people that are making twenty five to fifty, and I would even argue that because right now. The people between twenty five and fifty thousand dollars really don't pay much taxes anyway, exactly. because of all the deductions that take place. So I like to see kind of really, you know, where 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 else uh, people are going to save money. But the idea in the yeah. end is you, the more p- money you put in the middle class, the more money they're going to spend. Yeah, and that's really the idea because consumer spending, especially with the median, you know, of the population, which is m- tens of millions, probably hundred million people, that median. Once you put more money into the economy, you have the multiplier effect, right? What that is is basically you put one dollar into the economy, right, which is spending, and it goes, let's say, to Jiffy Lube, right? Then Jiffy Lube pays its employees with that dollar, and it goes to pay, you know, go to goes to Burger King. Then the Burger King takes that money, and it goes now to the Burger King employees. So it's kind of the money one dollar cycles through the economy and creates right. an economic influence or economic impact. So the idea here is the more money that people have. Okay, the more money they're most likely going to spend in that median, right? And then it'll cycle through and increase GDP, increase productivity. I mean, that's that's the idea behind more money in the hands of people, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So now let's go to maybe the the higher, uh, specifically, well, the higher income guys. Let's maybe circumvent that and go to uh, the corporate, some of the corporate uh, tax stuff. I found this found this was in very 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 interesting. Why don't you talk through that? So. Uh, Yeah, just on that point, he says, uh, and again, this is coming from his website, no business of any size from a Fortune 500 to a mom and pop shop to a freelancer living job to job will pay more than 15% of their business income in taxes. This lower rate makes corporate inversions unnecessary by making America's tax rate one of the best in the world. So the idea obviously being if we make America's tax rate one of the best in the world and friendliest for businesses, there's zero incentive for them to go elsewhere. Yep. So, th- so let's explain this maybe a little bit. So for those of you guys who don't understand kind of the, I mean, we're not, we're not tax advisors. Right. Right. So this is just, you know, commentary on different taxes. But you look at, you know, the corporate, there's an t- entirely separate corporate uh, tax bracket. And what that means, you have a per- you have personal side, and then you have the corporate side. Right, so if you own, if you have, you're a hundred percent shareholder in the corporation, right, and you're an employee of that corporation, right, you have to pay taxes on the corporate level, and you have to pay taxes on any income you took from it. So it's kind of a double taxation. Right. So if your corporation made a million dollars, okay, then you're gonna pay, you know, let's say twenty five percent on the corporate side, right? So two hundred fifty thousand dollars, money that you took out, you also have to pay income taxes on that. Right. Right. So it's in whatever bracket that you're in. So basically, what he's saying is he's going to drop corporate tax rates uh, to a very low amount. He's, I think it was fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Yep. Fifteen. Right 15. now, it's like fifty. Yeah. All right. So let's talk before we talk about the repatriate repatriation of of money. Let's let's talk through when you lower corporate taxes again. 
If you lower corporate taxes, okay, now corporations have more money and you're going to get less tax. Right. So is that is that true? Let's talk through that. Good. Yeah. I, and I think this this kind of goes back to what we were saying about the you know the middle class. I think anytime somebody has money in their pocket, it's not like they're just going to walk around and never spend that money. Mm-hmm. The idea is that the more money that we can preserve into the hands of the individuals, they're going to spend it. And similarly, I'd say the more money we can preserve in the hands of corporations, that's money that's going to get reinvested back into that corporation. Mm-hmm. You know, I- expansions in terms of, you know, factories that'll be built or increased production. And, you know, and that obviously is going to result in the hiring of additional workers. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the example that you, you uh, mentioned before, it's the Jiffy Lube dollar that goes to Burger King. And, yep. and it goes all throughout, all throughout yeah. the economy. And it's important, you know, you, you look at right now, and I don't know what the, the exact figures are, you can look at it, but it's, it's kind of the all-time high of cash that's being held by right. by corporations and you've seen really a lot of a lot of buyback so what does that mean I mean so basically corporations will go out and they'll get a bond at like insanely low interest rates and then they'll buy back buy back shares they'll buy back ownership of the companies they've been financing that for you know several years now and so you look at you know they're just holding a huge amount of cash right why are they doing that because they're holding it offshore which we'll talk about in just a second but they're holding it onshore too why why do they hold that much cash it's the uncertainty right because they don't know what the future is going to hold as far as taxes right as far as the economy as far as interest rates are concerned so they don't want to make decisions with that uncertainty because right. they can make a decision and invest in a factory they can make a decision and invest in this they can invest in that but if they don't know what tax rates are going to be right if they don't yeah. know what interest rates are going to be then all of those variables will affect the impact of the investment. Right. So I mean, they're not going to make any, they're not going to make a decision at all. They're just going to wait right. once there is some element of certainty. They're just like individuals. I mean, if I had some level of uncertainty with respect to my employment, or if I if I wasn't sure how something was going to impact me, and I've got a pool of cash sitting in my savings account, you're I'm not, not going to spend that. You're not going to spend it. You're right. not going to. You're just going to keep it there until the you the, know, the, the environment yeah. is is certain enough where you know. The impact of that decision, and that's a lot of what corporations are doing right now. Right. So, if there is some reform, right? We haven't had a reform in like almost thirty years. So, it's kind of like if there's a reform that happens, I mean, it's most likely going to be a long-term reform. So, if this ends up happening, okay, now what are you going to see? So, number one, you're going to have corporations that can now spend their money, right? Yeah. They can invest, they can put money in infrastructure, they can expand the workforce, right? And ultimately, that money that they spend has the same impact on the economy. They put a factory in, well, guess what? You need materials. People that are working to create those materials now have employment. Now, those materials are now going to be assembled into some sort of structure, which requires other workers, contractors, construction workers, and so forth, right? Then you build the factory, which actually produces more output. And these days, I mean, things are becoming more and more efficient because of technology. So now you're able to produce that at a much cheaper rate, maybe better for the uh, the economy. And all that money is going to cycle into the hands of, of the workforce. And then they're going to go out and spend it. And it's going to cycle through the economy. So a few, thing, a few things happen, right? You have, you know, essentially you have uh, more people with, with more money. Hopefully they'll save more, right? They will spend more, which will help. But hopefully they'll save more, reducing their you know, ultimate dependence on, um, you know, on, on the government in the future, right? Then you have uh, corporations, right, which are creating more efficiency and redu- hopefully reducing the cost of living as opposed to increasing it, right? right? So you have a lot of that. But looking at all this money that's now circulating, all of that money, whether it's sales tax, 
uh, or whether it's even, you know, you get a middle class person into the the, the 15% or 20% tax bracket. Now they're going to pay some some taxes, right? So it's a lot of, you know, a lot of that just increases the amount of flow. So you can have a lot of people paying a 10% tax rate, right? right. Or you can have a small amount of people paying a 30% tax rate. Where, where are you going to create more revenue? Probably with the first example, right? A right. lot of people paying into a lower tax rate. So that's the idea about kind of corporations, you know, mm-hmm. and and again, the, also you got to look at corporations, and most corporations that he's referring to are publicly traded corporations. Well, who owns those corporations? It's not this like you know dude up in this you know <laughs> ivory tower that has you know velvet furniture and you know leather bound books all over his <laughs> right. all of it. it you know, it's it's they're publicly traded companies, right? There are a lot of people, individuals, middle class yeah. people that own 401Ks, shares, four one k's, mutual funds, retirement accounts, all own this stock. So what's going to happen, right? Dividends. There's going to be people that are going to have a little bit more money there that they can retire off of. You know, so there's a lot. There's a lot of misconception when it comes right. to when you do refer to corporations and this and that, right? All right. So let's now maybe touch on let's touch on uh, Miss Mrs. Uh, Hillary. Well, no, yes. I, you know, let's, let's actually go back to the repa- repatri- okay. uh, repatriation of cash. That, that's important. Yeah. So, so let's, why don't you talk through that first? So essentially, the the idea there is, um, and by repatriation, it's the idea that those corporations that have gone overseas or that have gone outside of the country because of the unfavorable tax environment that we're currently in, right? Mm-hmm. That we're discouraging companies from staying here. He creates a system whereby they're able to come back and he tries to create a friendlier environment for that to happen. Yep. So from, you know, American companies that have invested overseas and, you know, factories and workers, et cetera, let's create an environment where they can come back mm-hmm. and, and be penalized as little as possible. Yep. And, the they be, and I, I think he said that there's a, a one-time, a one-time thing and yes. they can come back for, was it 10%? 10%, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So they come back, they bring in, you know, a billion, two billion, hundreds of billions. I mean, who knows? There's and there are different statistics as to how much money that is overseas. But that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Because you look at right now and there's so many, you know, aside from businesses actually creating uh, business in other countries, you have a lot of wealthy individuals that are placing money uh, in offshore, and this is all legal, right? But they're placing money offshore for tax incentives, right? Right, and what they'll do is they'll, you know, they'll set up. There's a strategy with a captive insurance company where businesses can actually form their own insurance company, pay premiums to that insurance company, write off the premiums, and then that money that grows within the insurance company they can invest. It's tax free, and they can use it offshore. I mean, there's a lot of different strategies, and you know, that you can use when it comes to you know the captive side of things. But there's also, you know, in our world, there's there's private placement insurance, right? insurance where you can actually take assets, put them abroad inside of a trust and essentially have an insurance policy wrapped around it so that money grows tax free, you can use it offshore tax free and you don't have to repatriate it. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where there's all sorts of, you know, financial and wealth building strategies that exist offshore simply because it does not make any sense to do it onshore because of the tax liability because you're going to have less you have less money. Right. All right, one last thing on there. He did talk about the uh, the death tax, so he the did. estate tax. So talk about that. Yeah, so he, he he basically says he's eliminating the death tax. I mean, that's basically the the summary. Um, you know, it, it talks a little bit about kind of the the mindset or the policy behind that. He, according to the Trump tax plan, he he thinks that the death tax punishes uh, people for you know for saving and creating wealth and and wanting to pass it to the next generation. Mm-hmm. 
you, you know, just the idea is that that's just fundamentally unfair to penalize a family that's worked hard and saved and wants to benefit the next generation. So that death tax would be eliminated completely. Yeah. And that's, and that's huge because you look at, you know, the baby boomer, especially right now, the baby boomer mm-hmm. generation holds the lion's share of wealth. Right. Right. And it's estimated, you know, 25, 30 trillion dollars ish. And by the time, you know, they're, they, they pass on, right. Cause the baby generation is, is 1946 to 1964. Right. So you, you know, you probably have another, oh man. So 64 dying at 85. What is that? Do some uh, math. 19 I'll, years. Yeah. So yeah. no, well, oh, know, it's tw- a lot more. 21. Lot more. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. So I would say, you know, probably, you know, another 20 to 30 years as this kind of money transfers out, but they're estimating it is going to be around $30 trillion. But right now the death tax, I mean, I think it caps out at like, you know, you get a, almost a $6 million uh, exemption per person. So if it's married, it's actually not six, but five and a half. Uh, you get about $11 million exemption. Everything above that is taxed on a margin, but I think the highest rate is like 40%. But you would literally pass on trillions of dollars more than you than, than would have. Now, where is that money going to go? Right, it doesn't go into the hands of those wealthy people because they're gone. Yeah. Who, well, whose hands does it go into? It goes into the kids. People so are going to spend gonna it. Do? Are they going to mm-hmm. spend it? Are they going to? Who, who knows what that behavior is going to be like? But if you look at the, you know, the debt burden that kids have these days, right? Whether it's with uh, with school um, or the lack of employment because the baby boomer generation is not retiring because they don't have any money. So it's it's one of those things where that money gets passed on. That will also cycle through the economy. So anyway, the, I mean, who knows? really what the caveats to this planet sure. are because you have to look at Trump. What is he trying to do? It's all bullet points. They're all talking points. Yep. It's all psychological. He's just trying to say lower taxes, even yep. though they might be higher. Who knows? If they, he gets rid of all like exemptions or not exemptions, but it gets rid of all uh, itemizations and write-offs, taxes could be higher, right? <laughs> right. Who, who knows? But we don't know a lot of those details. They haven't come forth yeah. yet. But but in the end, it's kind of like th- that's the incentive. You know, that, that's yeah. He's trying to create this idea that you're gonna, there's going to be more money and it's going to be in the hands of the people instead of the government. And hopefully that will just generate more economic activity, generate more revenue. And then that revenue could, you know, hopefully pay down the, the enormous amount of debt. Right. I would like it if he just like got rid of all the government pensions. I think that would be sweet. <laughs> yeah. And then all, 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 you know, representatives and senators, they got like, you know, they, you paid for their a ride, to, ride, ride to and from the airport and, you know, maybe yeah. for some meals when they were in session. And that's it. That'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, you say what you will about the Donald. And obviously we're going to have different opinions, you know, listening and, and whatnot. But uh, I mean, the guy at least, you know, there's there's less t- uh, less uh, monetary incentive for him to seek after that position as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody who's a career politician, yeah. you know. And, and to, to your point uh, that you mentioned earlier about. You know, everything he does is calculated, right? And I think just like we were talking about here, you know, this this plan is calculated. And and if you watch him, I guess there's probably not going to be too many more debates, at least uh, until we have a clear-cut nominee on either side. Yeah. He, he really doesn't have any—he doesn't bring any notes. He just kind of fires off, off the yeah. cuff. And no talking points. That's calculated. I, love, I mean, and, you, yeah. you contrast that with, you know, bless his heart, Marco Rubio, who's yeah. out of the race now— he was kind of notorious for having just sort of these canned phrases and these and, memorized and they lines. Would, and they would ask him a question, and he'd and answer on a can. Well, he'd yeah. ask, he'd answer a question that, that wasn't the it had nothing to do with the question. Right, just repeating talking those points. Yeah, talking points. That's but the Donald just shoots shoots from the hip, and I think that is a big part of why mm-hmm. he's generated such a, a strong 
following is because yeah. people are sick of the career politicians. Yeah. They're sick of the talking points. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, and not, it's not that we're pro Donald. Sure, right? yeah, it's, exactly. it's kind of like I don't. I mean, there's, the, uh, I don't know. My wife, like, because my wife's Mexican, and you know, once that <laughs> right. like all went down, she like lost her crap. Because yeah, because uh, anyway, but it's more of. I don't know I, the the president thing. I just I, I just don't like politics. Period. Because yeah. the government shouldn't be the solution for anything. Yeah. Right. But yet they they position themselves to do that. Right. So in the end, I mean, it is what it is. You know, and, we're and just we're just talking semantics. Yeah, we're in just a sense. talking. And, and that I mean, that right there is a discussion. You know, maybe that's a separate podcast. Totally. Is you podcasts. know, kind of the the centralization of the role of government. You yeah. know, I, I I was a history major in in college and. Uh, you know, you read a, you read a lot of what the founding fathers wrote, and you read it. You know, you think about how things are different now compared to the way they they were back then, and it's I mean, it's just amazing yeah. the concentration of power. And so, mm-hmm. in some ways, it's kind of refreshing to see kind of an outsider come in. But then, in other ways, boy, the Donald has a very yeah. specific and abrasive personality that that's tough to. He does, and in the end, it's you know, I I, I kind of I fall back to the idea that. You know, you really, what what drives man? It, every, uh, it's all self-interest. Everybody's yep. driven by self-interest, right? Survival. Um, but he, looking at what he's accomplished, right? Does he really have to, to serve that anymore? I, I don't know. I mean, he's self-funded the campaign. He has his own, you know, planes. He's. Does he really need to do that? Right. Does he really need to kind of make make a name for himself by being a president? Some, some you know, which could be. You could use that type of yeah. you know line of thought in regards to some of the other presidents we've had recently. So it's one of one of those things where you know who knows what's going to happen. I, I, like Kiyosaki said, it's like he's inheriting like a freaking mess. Right. And I don't know if there's any anything that could uh, really get us out of it. But anyway, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. But in the end, I would say you know if if a lot of that activity started to take place, you know, you're going to want to pay attention, and really you're going to want to pay attention really to the the debt and what the talking points are in regards to the debt, uh, the talking points as far as Social Security uh, and Medicare, and then in those, let's maybe talk about this as a last final point. So sure. what what can you know you look at you look at uh, Donald, he gets he gets in the office, right? He gets into office, and he's he's there, and let's say he gets his way with all the tax stuff that he has has proposed. So what what would you do financially if that's the case? If if so, assuming he gets in, what would I do financially? Yeah, what would you like? What would you assume would be a good place to you know store store your wealth? What would be a good place to you know put money here, yeah. put money there? I I don't know. I, yeah. I would I would say you know if more money started to get into the hands of of people, I would say a lot of the consumer a lot of the consumer services. Uh, would would most likely get uh, get a bump. So oh, sure. whether it's you know franchise, you know having a franchise and controlling a franchise in regards to commerce in that you know in the median income range. I mean there are there are tons of them these yeah. these days. So that might be you know those might be some some positioning. Uh, other, Small businesses in general. Yeah, yeah. I think huge. technology innovation right is going to massively expand mm-hmm. if you put more money in in the hands of of corporations right. Have them in investing in infrastructure. So who knows what that's going to do? But typically you know. You go to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and really at the foundation of the hierarchy of needs is where uh, it'll start, right? The physiological needs. What is what's going to happen to basically appease all the physio- physiological needs of, of people? Then the safety. So you look at all the different industries that are there: food, shelter, clothing. Then you look at the safety side of things and look at everything that's you know going to happen there. Most likely, that's where people are going to drive to. Right. And right now, I think that you know if you look at the median income, which is super surprising, but the median income of uh, of the United States right now is only thirty thousand dollars wow. per year, right? Which is it's which crazy. is insanely—it's just mind-boggling. 
And so you really look at more people in that demographic. What are they going to do? I mean, they're in survival mode right now, right? right? They're going to basically you know, try to get into at least having their physiological needs met, right? And I don't see Donald putting a ton of money into social programs, right? right. Well, you know, any of the welfare programs that exist out there. So that is where it's going to be very interesting of how, you know, whether you position uh, real estate and, uh, you know, appeasing that demographic, which may now be in Section 8 or other subsidized type of housing, and your real estate may be more positioned toward apartments, which is kind of the step above Section 8, right? Right. So that could be, you know, another another angle as far as what you look to in, in economic trends. Right. So. And we think about baby boomers, right, where you said that's, I mean, there's a massive concentration of wealth there. And we talk about corporations and wanting to wait for the dust to settle before they unload all this cash. Mm-hmm. I think the baby boomers are, are kind of in that same boat where there's so much uncertainty relative to, you know, Medicare and Medicaid and, and you know, Social Security, the Social Security in general. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, thinking about the dust settling and the types of things that they'll spend money on and being positioned to, to invest in industries that are going to receive yep. that money. 100%. And I would say... Yeah, if you look at their their needs, I I would say would still you know because I think you know psychologically there's still this you know idea of you know baby boomers and their parents that was you know they grew up during the Great Depression so that like kind yeah. of you know not it's the efficiency and frugality that still exists in a sure, sense and I absolutely. think right now because markets have been hammered retirement accounts have been hammered then you look at the longevity curve where people are living longer I mean all those fears are on on their mind so I would say also you know from industry perspective, perspective, industries that, you know, provide those services, right? Right now, I've seen a huge rise in like hospice type of franchises, right? Or home healthcare type of franchises where they're able to, you know, just kind of go in and take advantage of technology and travel and help people in their homes, right? We've, you know, we, uh, we have a good, a good friend, Gene Garino, who, you know, teaches a course in real estate on how to convert, you know, uh, single family or multifamily residences into assisted living facilities, mm-hmm. right? Where you can, you know, provide that type of housing and care. So those are always going to be, yeah, b- with the aging demographic, always going to be, you know, uh, some opportunities, mm-hmm. opportunities, there, especially once they start to have more money in their pocket, right? Okay, so let's talk uh, maybe about Mrs. 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 Hillary for for a little bit. So there's not much, not as much. I mean, Donald's even though there was probably some, you know, some details that that uh, weren't there. Hers is even is much more ambiguous and lacking <laughs> lacking any type of detail. So why don't you talk about why don't you talk about her? Sure. So you know, just like you said, I mean, there are lots of bullet points. But none of the bullet points are very specific, right? Hmm. They're just sort of talking points that, you know, you, if you were in a debate, these are the types of things that you're, that you're going to talk about. And, of course, you know, if we, again, if we take a step back and say, okay, what's the, what's the underlying policy? What's the objective? You know, we talked about the Donald Trump and the idea being let's grow. Let's increase business. Let's grow business. Let's simplify the tax code. And as more of us are paying some tax, that's going to that's gonna raise the revenue uh, you know, for the government in general. Well, if we look at the other side and, and we look at Hillary, um, if, if I had to kind of guess in terms of what the policy is, it's the idea that you, we've all heard of the phrase trickle down economics and it kind of this idea that I, I think that's a good way of describing mm-hmm. Trump's platform where we're, we're trickling down that dollar that is spent at Jiffy Lube is going to make its way through circulation and everybody's going to benefit. Yep. I think her perspective would probably be, well, that, that's going to take too long. We we need something that's quicker. That's, yep, we that's need immediate. Easier. We need immediate revenue. Immediate revenue, immediate relief, and that starts at the top. Mm-hmm. We've got to tax the top, and we've got to force that revenue down yep. 
to uh, to the middle class. And her constituency, you know, you look at her you know, the the ones that really appeal that she appeals to. It's you know that that's where they look for. Um, if they were to choose between taking something as a handout and free and going out and working for it, right? They would take the former, yeah. right? And uh, and that's it's been proven. And you I mean look at the money? Look at the money that has been lost because of the extension of unemployment benefits, right? Where you're just saying, no, you don't have to work. Going for it. We're going to pay this for another eighteen months or another ten or whatever it's been. And you know, it, it just prolongs a person's ability to go out and get a job and and be self sufficient. Uh, but looking at also what it does psychologically, right? Is it just puts in this, you know this person where you know they they haven't worked for eighteen months, they just don't want to like suddenly go back to work, right? <laughs> right? If they lose you know job for two three months, now they you know it's still on their mind and they know they have to go do that. But if the option exists that they don't have to you know do it for another you know year year, yeah. they're not going to do it, right? Right. So it's it's really you know I think it is different, diff- and we're speculating. All this sure. is conjecture, right? We, even Trump's, we don't even know what the heck he's going right. to do. Who knows? I mean, there's more details, but still in the end, it's going to come down to you know. And again, they're not going to wave, wave a magic wand and suddenly all their dreams are going to come true, right? <laughs> it's like they, they have to go through the proper channels and you know and get it passed through through Congress, right? So, but anyway, in the end, looking at Hillary and looking at what, what most likely she's going to do, it's really putting the onus on uh, government to solve problems exactly. as opposed to uh, as opposed to people. Now, Trump is also going to do that to an extent, right? He's already said it, I'm going to do this, I'm going to build a fence, I'm going to do this. I mean, it's kind of like they they take the onus on themselves to solve problems, which I don't right. agree with, right? I'd rather free market work that out. But with her, it's really she's taking money, and that's the that's my beef with, you know, both both uh, you know, both sides. Both sides is yeah. they take they take the same money and they just use it differently. Right. <laughs> so I look at there's still a taking that there's still a taking, right? right? Which is That's it's like problem. let the market you know solve solve the right. problems. But anyway, let's go to you know the some other some what are what are some of the points that you, I mean I know that they're vague and yeah. you know lack some substance. But what are I mean what are some of the things that she talks about? You know, there's there's a lot of you know providing tax relief for families, and so and I think this is consistent between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. This idea that, and again, everything is strategic, right? I think there's some. There's some attempt to appeal to younger people, millennials especially. I mean, we look at the the population of each demographic. The millennial demographic huge. is the biggest of it's all. Huge. Yep. And uh, and so there's definitely some attempt to appeal there in terms of providing relief for college education. You know, making that either free or significantly subsidized. So there's, there's helping out with student loans. Student most likely loans. will be a part of that. Exactly. There's a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, there's some talk about, uh, you know, she, she refer, she uses the phrase unleashing small business growth. So everything is sort of directed towards middle-class millennials, kind of students, like you said, mm-hmm. kind of in a position to where maybe they're not part of the workforce quite yet and mm-hmm. don't quite know what it feels like to work and to have to have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So they're still very receptive to this idea of, Hey, that appeals to me. That yep. could make my life easier. I'm going to take the path of least resistance. Yep. There's some definite uh, attempt to appeal to that. So look at, and, and I don't know if she talks about corporations in there, but I, that's what I would pay attention to once we get into the debates. And who knows if she's going to be the nominee? I, I don't see Bernie Sanders being the nominee, but I'm not even really following a lot of stuff mm-hmm. anyway. But still, it's, it's <laughs> right. just like I, some, hearing some of the. Uh, but I, so I think you know I've always thought she's going to get in. I think she's she has a great chance of being. You know, president too. Sure. But I think you have to really, you have to really look at the flows of money and also, uh, you know, the the clearly set 
uh, definitive type of you know guidelines or plans because that is what's going to allow people to get off the fence and invest. It's going to allow corporations to do this, that, and the other. But if that doesn't happen, if there isn't some something that gives some certainty in regards to what's going to happen in the future as far as monetary policy, which we haven't even gotten into, right. but but fiscal policy. I just I don't see that anything is going to get better. I mean, in the end, I think we're headed for the you know we're we're the Titanic in a sense. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen in that regards? I mean, I have my speculations there, which we may talk about at some other time. But looking at you know really both of them getting in, it is there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe, yeah, which is kind of which is kind of scary, right? right? So it's more with her. I think it's just going to get there quicker. So, but I would really look at and pay attention to where is the money going to flow, right? Right? If it's going to flow to the middle class and lower class. I just don't. There's not going to be many problems that are solved by them. Right. Okay. Going to the going to those that that have businesses, the corporation side of things, money flowing there. Hopefully, will you know incre- increase economic activity. Right. But you know, in the end, who the heck knows? You know, we're here to just basically that the discussion is important because something's going to happen. Right. Right. I guarantee you, something will happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and and for me, you know, to that point. Um, it, it's just good to kind of sit back and, and watch. I mean, I'm a sports fan. I love football. I love baseball. I love basketball. And, you know, sports is fun because you can watch it and you get passionate. But at the end of the day, when you turn the TV off or you walk out of the stadium or, or whatever, yeah. maybe you're a little frustrated your team lost, but there's always next year. Yep. Here, it's not just sitting on the sidelines and passively observing and, oh, darn it, my person didn't win. Yep. There, like you said, something's going to happen. And, you know, this has a significant impact on, you know, on, on lives. And it's not, uh, it's a whole lot more complicated than just a sporting event. It, yeah. Sure. And that's the thing is with the com- the complexity of our economy, the world economy. I mean, it's, there's some, there's a lot of things happening from a technology standpoint, which could totally change our, our lives. Right. Right. There's things from, you know, just the money side of things, how much money is in circulation and what's going on there and markets, markets, you know, I think we're created to be efficient now it's just it's a it's crazy whether it's how companies are rated whether it's high frequency trading uh, whether it's you know robots doing a lot of the trading you also have you know and this is a conversation for for another day but you also have a fiduciary ruling that's coming right. down the pipe uh, which a lot of uh, a lot of the industry financial service industry think they're going to actually pass without going through congress uh, which is essentially making financial advisors and financial advice uh, personally liable to the person that actually gives it and if, if they receive compensation for the advice. And so look, and there's a lot of other things that go into that, but looking at what that's going to do to markets, looking at that, what, what that's going to do to Wall Street. I mean, it's one of those things where it, it is what it is right now and, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. It has influence over the overall effect of the economy. And I think a lot of stuff that's going on right now, it could, it could hit and catch a lot of people off guard, right? So in the end, I mean, our philosophy has always been, um, you know, if you have liquidity, opportunity seeks you out. And life's going to go on. Uh, who knows if it's going to be different? It's always going to be different, right? right? Ten years from now, just think ten years ago of how life was. Right. Right now, look at how life has changed. It's it's amazing. I mean, I, I bought this like SD card, right, for <laughs> for my computer. Um, you know, just to kind of transport data. It's it's like five hundred gigabytes. Yeah. It's like five. You know, you go back ten years ago. It's like five hundred gigabytes would have been like these huge towers of right. you know even. So it's looking at like the future. Life is going to change, right? And it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I think. I think we're living in an amazing time mm-hmm. but at the same time you got to pay attention to what's going on because if you're not paying attention if you're not prepared 
uh, it, it could be it could be crazy. Uh, but we're here to just say, you know, pay attention, uh, understand economic activity, listen to what's going on. You know, you may want to be on the sidelines because it's frustrating or may not align with, you know, what your, you know, what your philosophy is or what you've been taught. Uh, but I would say, you know, this is the best time to be agnostic. It's the best time to really look at things and say, you know, I don't want to be opinionated here. I don't want to be opinionated here. I want to take a neutral stance and really try to figure out all the different sides of it. And then once stuff goes down, I know the different sides and I can align with, you know, the best opportunity for me. Right. I think that's the best. In the end, that's the advice that I always take. Um, that's the advice that, you know, Kiyosaki, he just kind of pounded into our minds a few weeks ago. Uh, but looking at, you know, looking at things, I think it's exciting. I think, uh, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to be really, a, really uh, a good time for, uh, for our society because typically during points of chaos, uh, during points of, of in, incredible, uh, I mean, pain, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. that's when a lot of, that's when, that's when humans really shine, right. right? Humans really shine once they're in the doldrums, once they're forced to actually, you know, either survive or be slaughtered. Right. And if they decide to survive, if we decide to survive, which human nature has always done, human beings have always done, then we're going to figure out a solution. And hopefully, you know, those decisions that we make uh, and what happens as a result, um, you know, will uh, make life even better. Yeah. I agree completely. Cool. All right. Well, Mr. Wall Street, Will Street. We haven't called you Wall Street in a long time. I know. I, we I we need to start it. that again. We yeah. need to put that as Except like your... Except, you know, these days it has kind of a negative connotation. It I mean, does. People refer to Wall Street like, oh, you Gordon know, Gecko. that's the enemy. You're, yeah. Gord, you're Gordon Gecko. Okay. Okay. We'll just call you Gordo. <laughs> okay, Gordo. Just kidding. All right. Well, Will is awesome to have you here. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for uh, looking into some of this stuff for me and, and, uh, and doing, doing, some, uh, doing some homework. Great to I'm, sure you, I'm sure you miss homework from all those uh, all those school days, the, the hundred years you were in you school for. I'm the biggest nerd. I love homework. You do? I honestly do. I okay. love homework. That was my wife makes fun of me all the time. I said if I could be if somebody would pay me to be a student for the rest of my life and just read and write and do homework. That's what you would do. I would do it. Wow. Well, I love studying when when it's like cool stuff and stuff yeah. that interests me. But and that's probably that's why you like homework. Mm-hmm. Homework I, I got didn't interest me, so I was like, screw that. I'm like, <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We uh, look forward to, to uh, hearing you know again on the next next podcast. We have some really cool guests that are uh, they're lined up. Uh, also. Tons of resources on our website. So if you are kind of a newer listener, uh, go check out our resources page. We have webinars and articles. Uh, we have some videos on there and a lot of other stuff. So I think you would really enjoy that. And uh, also, if you uh, want more information about Paradigm Life, you can always email us, info at paradigmlife.net. We will uh, we'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.